Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Well, before we do that, though, when you're talking about a tribal society, if I'm understanding it correctly, I think one of the reasons that you wouldn't get left behind is because in that kind of a society versus the one we're in now, where it's almost like, a, you know, it's more virtual than it is physical. Mm. But in a tribal society, it doesn't matter how off-center you are or how weird you are. They will always find some use for you and therefore, you know, kind of pull you into the society and basically say, you know, well, this guy may not have, you know, the he may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but at least he's good at, you know, building a fire or building shelter or something like that. Is that kind of what you're alluding to? Yeah, that's a big part of it. So you're going to have always, you're always going to have people who are lost causes because of some genetic thing or, or, you know, some psychological factor. But I think you have a lot of people in this society who they just start to get a little bit off. So the ship starts to go a little off course this way. And there's no one there that who to really know like, hey, you know, we're all going here together because we're part of a tribe and look, Kyle's off course. Why is Kyle off course? So he doesn't really understand how to work the sails. Someone go over there and show Kyle how to do that. Kyle's just not as good at some things as the rest of us. But what are we going to do? Are we just going to let him go off course? And in our society, it's yes. In fact, we don't even notice that Kyle's off course. In a tribal society, that's impossible. Even it, to a lesser extent, in a decentralized, more communal society, that's impossible. This is specific to post-industrial, this sort of anonymous society. I think it predates the internet, but the internet has made it a lot worse. Well, and I think that's a great segue into what we were talking about, where the internet itself enables people to isolate. And then you have this bizarre phenomenon of social media where not only are somebody literally sit in a room by themselves and either stare at a screen or stare at the, you know, a phone, you know, mm-hmm. something like that for hours on end. And then to me, it's almost like most of the, especially on social media, most of the social media doesn't give a true picture of it's only this fantasized picture of of what somebody's life is like you know there it's not like everybody's posting all the pictures of when they you know were vacuuming the living room or cleaning up their room or you know something bizarre like that it's all you know it's all these women that are beautiful that are hanging out on boats and people that are traveling everywhere you know that kind of stuff yeah for sure so it allows for extreme impression management right so to get back to what i was talking about earlier with frauds right? Versus real people. If you throw a charlatan into a situation where they have to constantly do what is in sociology called face work, where they have to constantly do space work to treat people around people who know what they're talking about, they get fined up found out very quickly. So you put somebody who claims to be a criminal profiler in a room with people who really have studied you know, behavioral analysis or police officers or psychologists any sort of combination of that. And they're not going to last very long because <laughs> they have to constantly be impression managing. What the internet thing allows us to do is it allows us to take some time and walk away and be invisible. So all that is seen is the image. So it allows us to, to curate completely. It's really advertising or even worse, it's propaganda, right? The cult of personality of the Instagram user. 
So this is bad in a lot of ways. It's bad for the people who are on the receiving end of this because they see Jessica and Jessica's always happy and she always looks pretty. She's always out with her friends and she's always doing things and I'm not. I'm just sat here on my phone all the time. Why aren't I like Jessica? And I go out there and my life isn't like that. So it allows people to build up this resentment in response to something that isn't actually true. But it also makes, so it's got this voyeuristic quality to it, but it's also exhibitionistic too, right? Where somebody is constantly transmitting curated depictions of themselves, often with filters. They never take, of course, they never take uh, photographs of when things are going wrong or when they don't look good. It's always carefully selected and then they become addicted. I, I think this is probably that they've done psychological studies on this, that they get a dopamine hit or something like that every time they get a like. And so then they get a certain expectation of that. They start to to go to that to feel good, like on a neurochemical level, right? And so then they're looking, oh, like 20, 20. And so at each time they see the number go up, they're getting a dopamine hit, they're getting a dopamine hit. But it's like being addicted to anything. It's like using narcotics or food or gambling or alcohol or and really anything in the world that you're using to cope, you know, as a kind of existential crutch. The thing with social media, though, that's bad about this is all those other things have a certain healthy level of stigma attached to them. So we all know people that can do those things in moderation and, and they don't fall off. But there are also a lot of people that can't do those things at all. And so there's a certain amount of caution around, um, let's say, gambling too much. You know, it's like you go to the casino again, Jared, you know, dude, I, I love you. You're always going there. It's, you know, it's not going to work out well, but that isn't around social media. You know why? Because everyone's doing it. And so they can just turn around and say, well, mom, you do the same thing. And so it's a, it's a sick culture. It's a, um, a technological mind virus of sorts. And we're all in the habit of it now. We're not, I don't think we're going to get out of it. It's asking too much of people, not because people shouldn't be able to recognize that and, and be better, but because people have consistently shown themselves not to be better in, in pretty much every aspect. You point out, hey, the government's spying on you. They go, I don't care, right? Say, hey, you're obese. And they've just been doing this over and over and over with every single thing. Hey, you don't know where Romania is. You spout politics all the time. If I ask you where Romania is, you can't tell me. They're not ashamed or anything. They go, ah, eh, everything curate, curate, curate. And that's why it wasn't that it will not get better. But that's the illness that we're dealing with right now. It's um the dissertation I was telling you about, I killed her for I am. I really emphasized the role of communication in it and how communication gives us a sense of self and a sense of identity and community and how that is tied intrinsically to our psychological well-being. And when you run that through the digital filter and you you take us away from you know, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution where we've been socializing in a different way and suddenly force it through this digital passage, of course, if people get radically screwed up very quickly. Yeah, I've been uh, studying a lot of, you know, I have the three boys and, you know, they're approaching teenage years. And so they're going to be getting into all sorts of interesting interactions at school and things like that. So trying to educate them on how things actually work versus how things are kind of on, you know, I mean, they're not really on social media, but still just being plugged into the internet, YouTube and things like that. It's like a lot of that's just, it's not realistic. But one of the things that I, you know, like Dr. Jordan Peterson, I think is spot on with a lot of this stuff. It's the whole internet thing and social media in particular is kind of isolating, especially men. So you have women that are posting on all of this stuff and, you know, but they're totally wired differently than men. And because of that, 
they can post a lot of pictures and get tons of interaction. I, th- I think that's part of what that dopamine thing is for the women. But even more than what it is normal, it's isolating the men, you know, and so like 80% of the men in society just become completely invisible. And, you know, a lot of the women don't even pay attention to them at all. And it's almost like you walk into a bar or a dance club and you're just, because you don't have the money or the prestige or whatever, all the women in the bar just completely ignore you. That is causing like some really weird developments basically, or lack of development, I think, social skills for a lot of these boys. And it's, I don't know, to me, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of the these shooters are male. What do you think? Well, that's, I mean, masculinity and crime, that'll keep us here for days to talk about that. So I want to stick, particularly what you were saying about, let's say, women ignoring men generally or in this new age. So one of the big problems we have is that we have completely ignored the role of evolution and biology in the way that people operate. And at an academic level, this is particularly egregious. And since everyone's gone to university, everyone comes out spouting these ideas, what they've been told to think are intelligent, but really are just profoundly unwise. The fact is that basically everything that males do, whether they're conscious of it or not, heterosexual males, that is, is oriented towards optimizing mate selection among females, reproducing, protecting the offspring so the offspring can reproduce again. If you make a scenario where a male realizes that no matter what he does, that's simply not going to happen then you take away all of his motivation to do anything. And what is a man who doesn't act, who doesn't fight for anything, who doesn't create anything, who doesn't preserve anything, who doesn't fix anything, who doesn't go anywhere, who doesn't make any risks, right? Who doesn't bond with other men in any sort of healthy way. It's like, I'm reminded of the creature Gollum from Lord of the Rings, something like that. But it's actually tragic. But, you know, we laugh at Gollum, but that's the surface understanding of that is actually a really tragic creature. And I would say the same about the men that find themselves in these situations. And I think that men who aren't in that situation, and this is something I've been guilty of too, and I think something that most men have been guilty of, because we are also driven to optimize our mate selection, I think our natural instinct is to look at those men and say, now I can use them for a cheap laugh to show that I'm not like them. So yeah, those guys are pathetic. Like incels are pathetic. What a bunch of losers, not like me. See what I just did there? Yeah. What I should have done is I should have said, his ship is off course. Let's get Kyle's ship back on course. But because of my own vanity, because of my own conceit, and not just me, like I'm not talking about the we, we step on them when they're down so we can elevate ourselves. And in doing so, dishonor ourselves and don't become the best that we can be. So there's a general failure of masculine wisdom in this society. Take it back to like when I was growing up, there's there a lot of sports teams that I was either on them or I watched people on them. And I was saying, you know, this isn't quite the way that people describe the benefits, uh, the, the best, like how sports could be best used because that vanity was in there too, right? It wasn't like, let's help the kids who aren't very good at this. Right. Let's get them up. You know, the team building part of it, it was like, I'm going to be a star hockey player. So fuck you. You know, I have to play with you, but... I don't like you and I ridicule you. And so in a strange way, it's not just the atomization. And I think this is a critique of Western society 
plus a number of things which have turned it in a strange way is when, when individualism is taken to a level of being divorced from all other people and just being about, like, like I said, kind of stepping on other people or using them or trying to always go beyond for your own vanity, there's something wrong with that too. So it's a very complex and multifaceted problem. And, you know, I've thought about it a lot, but it's hard to unpack it all in any sort of systematized way. I just have to do it through conversation with what I'm having with you now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting that we have this dynamic that it seems kind of like the entire society is involved in it. And yet, because of the strength of it, it's kind of pulling society. It's like the entire ship of society is kind of steering off course. And so nobody really recognizes it except the few that are, you know, actually step back. That's, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's almost like it's so difficult to get, you know, we were talking about earlier, it's that it's so difficult there to get somebody to actually come in and do some, you know, some work for you, like, you know, build the table that you wanted, you know, there for your, your podcast, you know, booth there. Well, fix my gutters. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, it's difficult to get kids off of the video games and actually go to, you know, an activity, let alone get most of them to play a sport or some kind of a team activity where mm-hmm. they're interacting. And then, you know, then we get something crazy like, you know, the pandemic hits and that just exasperates the entire problem because now it's not just that they're choosing not to, it's that they can't. Yeah. If you choose not to long enough, you just can't do it. There's a certain developmental age, whereas if you haven't learned some skills and, you know, both social, psychological, mental, and physical can't learn them later, you're, you didn't grow right. You're the stunted tree. And, you know, the deeper we get into this, I worry, I genuinely worry that one day there's not going to be anyone who knows how to fix the plumbing or something like that, right? And I'm not worried about people knowing how to play video games. Everyone will know how to do that. But, uh, you know, the boomer now all becoming seniors. And so the Gen X are moving into their 50s and 60s. And so then my generation picks up the mantle. And I am fully aware that there's nowhere near as many people in my generation as there was in, say, the baby boom that can do these practical things. And people (laughs) just have these casual phrases like, oh, the pendulum will swing back or, you know, things always fix themselves. And it's like, yeah, but there's also mathematics and the mathematics right now, from what I see it is there's going to be a whole generation of people coming out who don't know how to do anything with their hands or anything practical. And I'm largely guilty of this too. So it's not me saying, once again, it's not the other people. It's like, I'm aware of it in me, but I'm also aware of it in others. And it scares me. Well, and I think it frankly should. I mean, we have an entire crop of, especially, I don't know, the people that are in, you know, late teens to mid twenties where, I mean, you literally have massive numbers of that generation where they're like, well, I don't need anybody else. I can make my own money. I have my Instagram account. I have my OnlyFans account and I make tons of money. And so like, you know, there's some women that are saying, well, I don't need men. And there's some men that are like, well, I got my video games, so I don't need anybody else. And it's just like, unless you're actually willing to do some kind of a AI, you know, virtual type of world and actually try to exist in that, which isn't realistic. Is that why you want to do though? Like... Is that what people really want? I don't think it is. No. No, I think it's an escape. I think people are basically like, you know what, my life sucks so bad, I'm just going to escape into this area, and then they get sucked into it, and then they're stuck in it. Yeah. It's a whole society of people navel-gazing, just 
self-obsession, all things that people were bound to out of a sense of duty, whether it's the nation or the church or the community or the clan, whatever that might be, all those things have been systematically and carefully blown up, really. And then what's left, it's like, well, go on, be yourself with what, like in reference to no thing, like, you know, I, here's all the things I'm not, not healthy for you. It's it, To me, it's almost encouraging that, what is it that Facebook is trying to morph into the meta where, you know, you mm-hmm. can literally put on, you know, the AI goggles and basically go on a date, you know, live in some alternate AI type of a universe and, and actually interact with people that are also in that. I mean, to me, it's almost refreshing to know that is not doing very well because I think it's reached a point where people are kind of at a breaking mm. point and, you know, yeah. being locked down by choice or locked down, you know, because of the pandemic or something like that. I think people are kind of, after a little while, they're like, you know, that was okay, but ultimately they're starting to reject it. And they're afraid of the outside of the cave, right? They don't want to watch the shadows on the cave wall anymore, but they're afraid of what's outside there because they've never, you know, so many of them have never strayed outside there or they went outside there once and an animal bit them or they were afraid an animal would bite them. So they ran into the cave, spent their whole life playing with the shadows and they've never developed a backbone. And there's a lot of the things that we like tried to combat, which I'm not sure in retrospect were good things like trying to make little boys not fight, for instance, right? Now, if you have a habitually violent thug, that's different. But I remember when I was going to school, it was almost like, it doesn't matter if you were standing up for yourself, like you just, you never, ever get into a fight. And it's like, no, that's silly. You want young men to be able to stand up for themselves physically if need be, not just because it puts people who mess with them in their place and gives a deterrent to bullying. But also because even if you take an ass kicking, even if you lose, you always walk away with from that with something, some bit of character that's been built during that process. And that was something that I noticed growing up. I, I see all these men, like I've never been in a fight before. It's like you're 25. Have you not been in a fight? Like not when you were a kid? Well, I pushed a kid over once. No, like you've never punched one, you've never been punched. How, how did you do that? And to me, the only response is we used to let people push you around. Just, that's not good. Yeah. Have a whole society of of men where that happened. You know, it's and this happens when you have no nuance too, and you won't. You know, like we have a zero tolerance policy. Like we just never allow that. That's ridiculous. It is the same problem we have. It's so much in our society now. Nobody has any appreciation for nuance. It's just like you can never do this. Never no. Like, under no circumstances can you ever say that. Like, here's where we're going with this, too, right? This is silly thing. It's like, why? Because you declared it? Like, no little boy can ever get in a fight in a school because you declared it? Who are you to me? And now we see the results of it. And these are just some examples I'm giving, right? (laughs) But you could go on this forever as to why everything is so screwed up. It needs 20 years to run the experiment. For someone long, people go, oh, don't react. You're just, well, now here we are. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.